prayer. It's amazing. It's really great to read and hear the prayers of, of children. Uh, but why do we pray? Why, why pray to the Lord? Uh, we, uh, prayer is a big part of life here at Westview. I mean, pray, sure, but, but why? It's a big part of our life at Westview corporately and individually as followers of Jesus. But why do we pray to the Lord? Well, it can be a habit for sure. Uh, it's just kind of a habit and, and sometimes a, a bad one, actually. Uh, we can pray. It's almost like a no-brainer sometimes. A uh, quick prayer before a meal or before going to bed. And, and I've done this. You know, it's kind of like, let's hurry up and pray because the food's getting cold. Uh, or maybe you've heard this, you know, uh, let's pray and then we'll get started, perhaps. Or I'll just say a little prayer. It's all these kind of things that, that get us caught up. And yet, why is it that we actually pray? I mean, besides the obvious occasion when we need something or we want help, prayer has been seen, we see it throughout Scripture, through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus prayed regularly. He still prays to this day. So what can we learn from the Lord that is vital to prayer? I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 5 this morning. Psalm 5. I'll begin by reading the first couple of verses. Often the psalm, uh, the, a chapter in the psalms have a title at the beginning. So I want to read that this morning again. Trust in God for deliverance from enemies. To the leader for the flutes. A psalm of David. So these were, in some instances, some of these psalms were like collections of songs like we are, were singing this morning. They were instructions given to Reese and his music team. Here's what you're going to sing. And in this case, they were talking about a flute here as well. So let's read verses 1 to 3. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Give heed to my sighing. Listen to the sound of my cry. My King and my God, for to you I pray, O Lord. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I plead my case to you and watch. David, the psalmist, begins his day with prayer and watching. He's praying and he's watching. He's expecting, he's watching, he's waiting, he's wondering, he's looking from the outset of the day, but mostly what we hear that he really truly wants is for God to listen. And he says it often in just these first couple of verses. Give ear. Asan is the Hebrew word. Or then he says, hearken or consider another one. Or listen. Kashav. Three different words he uses 
for listening. This is about listening, and what he wants is for God to listen. In fact, that's what he is asking for in the first instance, is he is coming to the Lord. The reason that David begins his prayer in the morning, and the reason he watches, is because he is fully convinced that God listens. That God actually listens. Uh, Prayer is communication. Prayer is communicating. And communicating, communication is essential in every relationship. It is essential if you are married. It is essential if you have a, if you're a parent or a guardian with your child. It's essential for children to communicate with their parent or guardian. It's essential to communicate in the workplace and at school and with your friends. To communicate cannot be overemphasized how vital it is in every relationship and especially with the Lord. But we aren't very good at it. Not really. We aren't really good at communicating. It's difficult for us to formulate exactly what it is that we want to say, what it is that we're actually asking for. How do we actually feel? How to communicate that? It's also extremely difficult to listen, to actually hear what the other person is saying. It's so difficult and challenging for us to communicate. And so then prayer becomes one-sided. It's a one-way communication. And built into our prayer is this uh, overlooked, underappreciated assumption that God listens. So the posture of prayer for us has become, we talk, God listens. And it's one way. But we hear David saying in the morning, he starts at the outset, he prays, and he watches. So there's more going on here than asking God to hear. So we continue as we go into the next verses here in verse 4. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil will not sojourn with you. The boastful will not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful. What David acknowledges is God's character. He acknowledges when he prays, he understands who God is and what God is like. And he acknowledges and admits that God is pure goodness. So he comes to God because of what God is like. His character. This week I asked Hanukkah if she could uh, talk to the day camp uh, work, uh, not the workers, but the uh, campers. Talk to the day camp campers. Normally, uh, I would actually have kids, if there were kids in, in the congregation at this time, this would normally be a chance where I'd be asking kids questions and they'd be responding. And by the way, come September, uh, we're going to be doing that with you all. So there'll be a time of question and response where I will pause and you can ask questions and we'll respond and we'll have a bit of a conversation. 
But uh, because we are sort of uh, improvising during this context, Hanukkah went and talked to the campers, and she asked this question, who is the first person you go to when you get hurt, and why? Here's some of the responses. These are children that are ages 6 to 11. Listen to their answers. Who do you go to when you get hurt, and why? My dad, because he's the only one that looks after me. My parents, because they have the most experience with taking care of me. An adult I know because they have experience in what to do. My mom, because she helps me to get better. An adult I really, uh, I know really well, like family, because then I know they are not a stranger and they are not bad. Another person says, my mom again, because I can trust her and I know her. Another one says, my mom or camp instructor, because I know them better than a stranger. A trusted adult, another one says. Another one, my mom or dad, because they know you the best and I trust them. These little children, when they get hurt, they know instinctively who to go to because of the character of the person they're going to. Someone they can trust. Someone who has the experience. Someone who has always cared for them. And what David is doing is the very same thing. He's going to the Lord because of the Lord's character. Someone he can trust. Someone who he has experience with that cares for him. That's what prayer is. And friends, it's actually where we get our goodness from. The goodness from a mom or dad comes from the Lord. So how much more... Can we go to our Lord in prayer as these children go to their moms or dads? Understanding that even our own goodness comes from the Lord. And I know it's difficult or nearly impossible to imagine with all the evil and the wickedness. We've seen more of it this week. And there are there's violence, uh, there's, there's bloodshed, there is hatred, there is racism, there is prejudice, there are boastful people. All of that is present before this good and loving God. And yet there is zero of that in Him. All right? And I know it's difficult and nearly impossible to imagine a, such a kind, pure, perfectly kind and good person. It's difficult and nearly impossible to imagine because there is only one. And that is Yahweh. The Hebrew Old Testament word for the New Testament, Christ Jesus. There is only one. And so it is Him that we go to. And so David then continues in verse uh, 7. But I... Through the abundance of your steadfast love will enter your house. I will bow down toward your temple, your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. And it sounds here clearly like David himself is personally in trouble. He's, it sounds like he's under attack, that there are enemies coming after him. And so he prays, and uh, it's quite natural for people to pray when they're in trouble. It's actually amused that even an atheist will say a prayer in the 
heat of the moment uh, when, when they're in trouble and so on. And so it makes sense that, that uh, David would pray when he's in trouble. But what he's asking for, now after asking the Lord to hear him, what he is asking the Lord for, here's the request that he has, that he will be led. That the Lord will lead him. And more specifically, that the Lord will lead him in righteousness. And not just any righteousness, but that the Lord will lead him in the Lord's righteousness. So righteousness means living according to a certain standard. So what he is asking for is for the Lord, Lord, lead me in your standard. Lead me in your way of living. Uh, Bill Christison in a couple of weeks is going to unpack a little more about righteousness and justice and what that means practically in our lives and how we can live. But this morning, what we hear David saying is, Lord, I want you to lead me in this circumstance in life. I want you, Lord, to lead me, show me a way to live according to your righteous standard, according to the way you live. Not according to another human standard, according to someone else's way, but according to your way. And particularly, Lord, I'm praying that you will do that for the circumstance that I am in, for the circumstances of life that we are in. Because, friends, we are all in different circumstances. Some of you are in school or about to go back to school, really. Some of you are out of a job or going back into a job. Some of you are retired. Some of you, it's all these different circumstances. And what David is praying here is in the circumstance that I am in, I want you, Lord, to lead me so that I can be like you and have your standard of life as I go. And what that requires, friends, is to submit to the Lord. It actually means to open up our hands. What David is doing is opening up his hands and saying, Lord, here's the circumstance I am in. Here's the life. Here's the surroundings. I open up my hands and I put my agenda down. I put my preferences down and I say, Lord, lead me. Show me. And your will be done. Jesus teaches Submitting like that is challenging. It's difficult. I've been involved in prayer ministry of healing and anointing with oil for years. Well, I mean, I'm okay, so I'm not, you know, I was going to, but if I say years, then it sounds like I'm old. So, um, so I'll take that back for a while now. And I have seen when we come together and we've, People have requested to come and pray and do healing prayer and anointing with oil or different circumstances. And I've seen where people have openly said, whatever the circumstance that I am in, Lord, I want you to do a work in my life. And I, I yield to you and I see that. But I also see circumstances when people are coming to prayer and they're still holding on to the, what they want and to their agenda. And, and it's a case coming to prayer and saying, but Lord, certainly I, I, I need prayer, but don't, don't let this happen. I need prayer, but, but Lord, I'm, I, I still want to be able to use my eyes. I, I, I want prayer, but I still, surely you can't mean that I'm going to lose my hearing. 
I've seen cases where people will bring friends or a family member and we're going to pray together and it's praying for healing and for something extraordinary. But the, the, the friend or the family member that they bring with them is just skeptical and they're not believing it. They're not submitting and I can see it in the posture because they haven't submitted yet to the will of the Lord. But if his character really is perfectly good and pure, then who else would we submit to like the camper going to the Lord and saying, Lord, your will be done. David goes on. He goes on in the next verses. As we're reading, have the opportunity to read his prayer. In verse 9. For there is no truth in their mouths. Their hearts are destruction. Their throats are open graves. They flatter with their tongues. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels because of their many transgressions. Cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. Humans, David exclaims. Oh, these nasty people. They're frail, they're faulty, they're violent, they're coercive in nature. Just kill them. Uh, Just destroy my enemies. And for a minute, as we're reading this, we're going, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, because they, oh, do it. And we're cheer, but then we kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And it hear that, and we hear what he's doing, and we realize what we're doing, and we feel the the dissonance, we feel like this, this conflict because that's not really what the Lord wants. That's not really the Lord's character. Not if we understand the whole counsel of Scripture. Not if we understand what Jesus taught in His way. That's not the standard. That's not God's righteousness. Followers of Jesus are to be known. There is a particular way you can know a follower of Jesus. It says in the New Testament, Jesus says, you can tell if someone's a follower of Jesus specifically because of their love. Jesus actually said, love your neighbor, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. So David is being very honest and very raw in his prayer to the Lord. And he's bringing it all to the Lord. And as he does that, in his honesty, which the Lord welcomes, at the same time is revealed his same human nature. He's being attacked. And what he wants to do in a moment is just attack back. So he continues and finishes his appeal in verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them so that those who love your name may exalt you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover them with favor as with a shield. 
So often this happens as we read David's writings. It's like prayer becomes cathartic for him. There's a movement, like an orchestration. And he moves, and now he realizes, and he, he goes, wait, whoa, Lord. I, I'm coming back to you. He is fully convinced of the Lord's character and his nature, and he says, that's what, that's what I want. I want to be protected by you. I want to understand, and I want to, I know your nature, Lord, and that's what I'm appealing to. Because the Lord does not seek to harm. The Lord seeks to bless we all know the famous John 3.16, but John 3.17 says, Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that it might be saved through Him. Later in John 12.47, He says that the Lord did not come to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. The Lord seeks to bless. The Lord seeks to rescue the Lord seeks to redeem and restore. It is human beings that do the violence and the harm. And that is why we appeal to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is what the, David is wanting. He's wanting to be led by Yahweh and his righteousness. And not by any other. And it's in this way when we are truly led by Yahweh, when we follow the Lord Jesus and we live according to the pattern and righteousness of Jesus Christ, that we exalt Him. That is how we exalt Him. And when we are doing that, we are joining with our brother, our Savior, our Lord, and our King, Jesus. We join Him when we are led by His righteousness. That's what it means when we submit to Him. That's what it means for Him to be Lord, for Him to be King of our lives. The only way, the only way, only the Lord can lead us in His righteousness. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can lead us in His righteousness. So it's not a question of uh, if the Lord is good and perfect and kind. It's not even a question of will He respond or will He help and guide or lead. Yes, yes. To both of those, the real question is, is that what we desire? Is that what we are willing to submit to? Is that what we are asking for and seeking? Is to be led by the standard of our Lord Jesus Christ, to be led by His righteousness. And we pray for that and we say yes to that, but then if that is the case, then the question becomes how? I mean, how does that actually work? Because God, the Father, is spirit. And Jesus isn't physically here. So how can we be led by Him? How can we be led? Only the Lord can lead us in His righteousness. So how can we be led by Him? Well, practically speaking, Scriptures lead us in His righteousness. The Bible, as we read Scripture, there are things in here that we understand as we read. There are things that are pretty clear and, and, and simple, but there are other parts also that are not. For example, this psalm that we read this morning, if you read that psalm this morning on its own, you would read that and you would, how would that lead you in his standard? 
who are led by Scripture, we're led by the church. When we gather together, we're two or three are gathered together. When we come together like this, and we can join with each other in worship, when the children are uh, where they are in age-appropriate uh, uh, learning as well, uh, in youth, community groups, we can be led that way by into righteousness. But, but how specifically does it work? Church, we're led by people. Someone comes and speaks to you and speaks a word to you and you receive it and you hear it. That is another way that we can be led. We have thoughts that come to us. These are ways that we can be led. But we understand from Scripture that we are led by the Holy Spirit most specifically. That it is His will to speak to us, to guide us. And so what is happening is when we read Scripture, when we come together as the church, or when people speak to us, we read, we hear, but it also speaks to our conscience. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. And you know that there are thoughts that come to you. Sometimes there are thoughts that are originating from yourself, originating elsewhere, but there are thoughts that come to you. And those thoughts can also be from the very person of the Holy Spirit. His will is to do that. And if it is the will of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us and to speak to our very conscience, then the question is, what is asked of us? What is the Lord inviting us into to fill our days? What is He inviting us into to redeem our time? It is to listen. It is to actually listen. We need to listen to be led. We need to listen if we're going to be led. Jesus picks this up again in the New Testament and he uses this metaphor. He extends this metaphor of shepherd and sheep often. And he talks about the fact that his sheep hear his voice. We need to listen to be led. I want to do a little exercise with us this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you know, the hard copy version or your phones, everybody pull out your Bibles right now and let's go to Psalm 5. We're going to do a little exercise. All right. The exercise, I'm going to have you read. I'm going to have you read Psalm 5. And it's going to be out loud. And everybody's going to do it at the same time. We're going to start at verse 1. Everybody that has this, and if you can, you can share, so that everybody's going to do this at the same time. We're going to start at Psalm 5, verse 1. Everybody reading out loud. The only worry of this works. I know some of you are sitting there going, he can't make me read. <laughs> I'm not going to read. I haven't had my coffee yet. I'm just not in the mood. For this to work, we, all, we want everybody to read and read out loud. Psalm 5, starting verse 1. And you keep reading. When I put up my hand, you can stop uh, reading. Okay? Now, are, are you with me? Can I get anybody give me an amen just so I know you're with me? Amen. All right. Oh, that's good. All right. So, on, on a count of three, we're going to start reading. And when I put up my hand, y'all stop. All right? On a count of three. One, two, three. How many of you heard what I said when you were reading? 
No, okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask you all, don't read. The rest of you read. See if that works. We're going to start, so y'all don't read. Folks, on account three, you're going to read Psalm 5, starting at verse 1, out loud. You did good. Let's do it again. So everybody from here on this way, starting Psalm, Psalm 5, verse 1. Okay, you ready? On account of three. One, two, three. How many of you all heard what I said? Did any of you hear what I said? You did? You want to rough it in? Any idea? A, a couple of words? Dude. That's good. We're going to try one more time. You don't read. You don't read. Just you all read. Starting... Psalm 5, verse 1, keep reading until I put my hand up or I clear my throat because you're all like this, so uh, you won't see it. All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. I love you. All right, okay. How many of you heard what I said over here? Yeah, you, 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 you think you got it? Any, anybody over here? You're getting close? Anybody over here? Yeah? Okay. Listening. Read, pray, talk. But then also listen. I am convinced that probably the first thing you will hear the Lord say to you is I love you. I love you. I love you. But we need to slow down and create that space and like David, pray and watch. I'm going to ask the music team to come back up here this morning. Prayer is so fundamental to uh, our relationship with anybody and especially the Lord. Prayer, it's foundational. It's essential. It's vital. And yet it's, it's difficult for us and it's uncomfortable for us. We have been conditioned so much so that silence and being still is uncomfortable. And if we're with someone and it's just quiet for a moment, we wonder what's wrong. Rather than taking space and time, I want to encourage us as we move from this summertime into the fall, I want to encourage us, encourage you to develop your inner life with the Lord. To develop the spiritual gift of listening. 
And it will take practice. It will take practice in doing this because it's not very natural and we're not very good at it. So it will mean carving some space and time. It will mean that there are times, listen, when we have, there, there are times when there's just so much noise going on in our lives. There's so much coming at us all the time, whether it's on social media or it's billboards or it's stuff. Sometimes if it isn't coming at us, we're going to it and we're rushing out and there's just so much blaring and it's like everybody reading at the same time. It's almost like impossible to listen. And even in the busyness of the day, so creating space, and it doesn't have to be a lot of space. It can be while you're at your desk, while you're at the kitchen table, wherever it is, and you just pause for one minute. You put your foot down, and you just say like, Samuel, speak, because I'm listening. Am I listening? I'm just, shh. I'm listening. Yeah. Talk to me, Lord, So I'm listening. Another practice, young people, that I want to encourage you towards and is something, you know, maybe it's called journaling. A lot, a lot of you all have these books, especially if you're in school. This is like going old school with prayer. But the idea is that we can spend a lot of time. Prayer can be kind of one way, like I said. But listening, using a journal, it doesn't matter. It can be any kind of books at all. But spending time in prayer where we are talking to the Lord and we're writing down, you're writing down as though you're talking. Don't be worried about grammar or spelling or syntax or neatness or anything. And you're just writing down what is on your mind. And then you open up a square bracket, you pause and you listen to see what the Lord is going to tell you. And you listen. And you close the bracket and you keep going. And later you can look at those brackets and you can see, is that making sense with what the scripture says? Is that making sense? Is that in, in, uh, congruous with what Jesus says? We're moving into an incredible year ahead. We're moving into a year that has probably not been looked at and not been experienced uh, in this generation. It's complex. And it's getting more complex. And it's strange. And it's unusual. And we're trying to figure it out. And it re will require us to be soaked in prayer. Westview, we have a, a vision statement that's coming out and we have this strategy document. We have this desire to keep going and, and reaching and, and spreading the gospel. But that will require us to be soaked in prayer. And we are going to be having conversations and dialogue about sensitive subjects over the course of this year because we need to get at and start having conversations about things that really matter in people's lives. But to do that, we need to learn how to dialogue with each other. Even when we disagree, we need to learn how to have a conversation and then still have communion. And the only way that works is if we are soaked in prayer and listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It won't be me. It won't be the board. It won't be the elders. It won't be the Sunday school teachers. It's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding all of us. You see? You see what I mean? 
a community, a gathering that is soaked in prayer, where we spend time, we pray to the Lord, we talk, and then we listen, and then we hear, and we follow. And people, like the people of Israel when they were released from exile, the people around say, what's going on there? What is happening there? Because we listen. Because we need to listen to be led. If we listen, when we listen, we redeem this time. Amen.